Entering our second season of Blood Time, we want to thank not only our phenomenal and remarkable individuals that were our guests, but also the support, the incredible support that we have had throughout the community, not only locally, but nationally. What you can absolutely put to bed as guaranteed the second season of Blood Time are more remarkable individuals, more transformative stories, and more Blood Time moments. Please give a listen to the second season for we are all blood. Coach Cimarroni here. Love to all. This is Coach Cimarroni for Next Level Continuing Education. Next Level brings unique education to real estate professionals and real estate investors on how to get money effectively and efficiently into real estate investments. Next Level Continuing Education has ditched the traditional continuing education platform. Gone are the days of listening to boring content in a stuffy classroom setting. Come jump on a Zoom call whenever you find it comfortable and learn how to expand your real estate portfolio. Next Level CE brings unique content across Ohio and the Midwest to teach real estate investors how to become their own bank using the infinite banking concept to acquire more properties quickly. Call Ryan M. Miller, the CE Specialist, at 330-933-8231 or click on the link in our show notes. That's Ryan M. Miller, CE Specialist, 330-933-8231 or our show notes. The link is where you go. Thank you. Hey, this is Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time. Welcome uh, to... This interesting year, it's our second season, and we've already had some amazing guests on, and uh, terrific uh, philosophies, stories, transformative moments, blood time moments. Today, I have a young man I've known since he's been a very young man, a uh, good friend of my nephew, Mark Worthington's, and a, uh, an incredible, uh, not only uh, uh, wrestler, but a uh, great kid, great young man, and a great family. Dominic Abinader, how you doing, Dominic? Good, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Good to see you uh, in the chair. Yeah. All right. All it's right. good to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you're here. And you know, it's interesting. We had um, another one of your buddies on, George DiCamillo, mm-hmm. uh, in first season, and he was terrific. You know, a terrific quality family. I've known the family forever. For sure. And, and you guys too. I mean, you've been a, a business in the. Uh, Cleveland community for what thirty years, forty yeah. years, something like that. Yeah, uh, now time. you're you're over at Lynnhurst with uh, Abbo's Grill, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. My dad opened up a restaurant there on Mayfield Road, so it's been going four years now. Fantastic. So, yeah. Fantastic. And your brother Joe runs that with him. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. And mo- mother Michelle and and uh, yeah, the whole family helps out. And so. dad Sam, right? Yep. Yeah. We'll give him all my best. I will. Awesome. And. Uh, Dominic, you know, you started as a young man in our great sport uh, with uh, a bunch of youth that came up that were incredible, mm-hmm. did a lot of incredible things, and then you en- ended up going to uh, the Storied St. Ed's program. How did you get there? Um, so I started at the Mayfield Wrestling Club um, with, like you mentioned, Mark Worthington and Georgie D. Camillo and Johnny DeJulius was there. Oh, my. Kyle Roddy at the time. So. We had quite the room um, sure. as young kids, and uh, from there, my my brother's six years older than me, okay. so he ended up going to St. Ed's, so that's kind of how I got involved with St. Ed's mm-hmm. um, as a young kid, 
And then just being around the room and all the guys a lot and being around my brother, I kind of um, transitioned over to the West Shore Wrestling Club around uh, fifth grade or sixth grade. And, um, you know, from there, just kind of fell in love with the school and the coaches and, you know, Coach Heff and Coach Leonard and a bunch of all that. You know, we've always had like 10 coaches in the room at St. Ed's at a time. So I kind of just fell in love with all the coaches and Urbis was always been a mentor to me. St. Greg. (laughs) Yeah. He's unbelievable. We had him on the show and he's just incredible guy and yeah jeff leonard's a supporter of our, our show first season uh jtl construction and mike mclaughlin and yep. uh jason effner all those guys over there yeah so just people you know so many great people being in, in, involved in that program just oh. it was the right decision for me so now was um was were the seikos involved with that at all yeah so um Gus was at St. Ed's when I was a part of West Shore okay and obviously his dad was the coach at West Shore so sure um he was my, you know, first grade school coach when I started to get serious with the sport you know, right. around fifth, sixth grade. So, um, Mr. Seiko was my coach in, until high school, and you know the family. It's a great family and great, great company. Guy. Defense soap, yeah, we love soap defense soap. Keeps us on the mat. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly right, exactly right. Yeah, so like I mentioned, it's just so many great people involved in the St. Ed's program. It was it was just a joy to be around, and right. um, I was glad I got to be involved in that. That's cool. So you you know you you develop in uh, pretty much you know wrestling royalty over there, um, and then you get to the St. Ed's program and you have a pretty successful freshman year. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, and then you know your your high school career is amazing. Yeah, so my going into freshman year, I, I wrestled one twenty six as an eighth grader, and I knew um, the weight that I was kind of weighing like 140, 145 just yeah. wasn't going to cut it because right. Anthony Slupo was the 145 pounder yeah. who wrestled yeah. for Lehigh. And yeah. then, um, Nick Salzer was the 160 pounder. So I was kind of in a, yeah. in yeah. a position where I had to gain a lot of weight to, to, uh, get up to 152. Right. And, uh, Plus kind of the 152 in the pounders there, those are, those are juniors and senior right. animals coming at you. Yeah. yeah. So my, my freshman year, that was, it's what I had to do in the off season to right. try and start. And uh, coming off of football, because I played football four years as well. Sure. Um, I was a little bit rusty. I actually lost my first wrestle off as a freshman, wow. and then about a month in, I uh, regained the spot at 152. Okay. Had a pretty good season, and then um, you're a district champ, weren't you? Yeah, sectional district champ. Yeah. Did really well there, yeah. and then uh, I had to wrestle the eventually the state champ Joaquin Komar in the sure. second round at state. I ended up losing nine to ten or eight to ten, something like that. Wow! And then uh, Teddy Hammer pinned me in the wrestlebacks, oh. so I got caught on my back. Yeah. Um, I had majored him the week before at districts. It happens. Yeah, it, it happens. happens. I mean, you know, so. I've seen it happen over and over again. It just weird. Right. And then we ended up losing. Right. We had a fourteen-year streak at St. Ed's of being state champs. We ended right. up losing to Wadsworth that year. So I kind of took that very personal and uh you know sure. felt that i didn't really help the team at state so the following year just came back with a fire and well you lost to an incredible program i mean yeah. john grimugli oh, we yeah, had him sure. on we just had clay wanger what a terrific oh yeah all those guys human beings the squires and right yeah they were all really good yeah and so you come back with a vengeance and you win three state titles in a row yep you know it's interesting i had a, a few guys on here that have won numerous national titles state titles and I, I want to ask you this question. Who was your toughest competitor of those three titles? Who was your toughest the guy that, that was the runner-up? Um, my junior year, I wrestled Baker okay. from uh, Twinsburg. Sure. And yeah. he was uh, 
he was pretty tough. I, I think I beat him three to zero. Um, I, I got him on the mat, you know, and rode him out a lot that match right. in the finals. And uh, that was definitely the edge I had over him because on his feet he was really talented. And um, I got one takedown and you know rode him out and escaped. So right. that was definitely my toughest opponent. My my sophomore year I, um, I, I won pretty handily. Yeah. And uh, my senior year as well. So junior year was definitely probably my toughest year. And that was the year they combined the weights. Right. Like they changed the weight classes. Right. So Baker was a state champ with the weight above me, and we kind of met in the middle. And right. State champ or state champ. And um, that was probably my toughest state finals match. That, was, that had to be very uh, satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you learn from that match? Um, that I need to get better on my feet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's always been a little bit of a downfall for me is my attacks. I've always been kind of a defensive wrestler and a counterattack type wrestler. So that's still something that I struggle with and just try to, you know, push to get my attacks going. Yeah. And that was old school. I mean, you know, when I was growing up, counterattacks, Rick Sanders, that was it, man. You right. let the guy shoot in on you and just torture him, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's not bad that you have that in your back mm-hmm. pocket, right? But now you got to get the attacks because that's our that's our sport now. That's just what it's evolved to. For sure. You know, so uh, then you uh, evolve into D1. You get some offers, and you get a pretty nice offer from that place up uh, up north. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what happened with that. And how did that, you know, you, you have to have a lot of not only your, your parents behind you, but you have to have your, your coaching staff behind you to get those type of offers, even if you have the talent that you have. Right. Tell, tell us a little bit about that process and the support that you got, that blood tie moment, if you will, that, you know, really somebody that was behind you to get those kinds of offers. Yeah, so I, I would say it starts with, uh, you know, Coach Urbis. Okay. Um, you know, he's, like you called him, St. Urbis. He definitely yeah. preaches, you know, not only being a good wrestler, but being a good student. And uh, just being a good man, you know. Right. And um, so that kind of mentality that he bestowed on us at St. Ed's, that kind of um, personality is definitely what coaches look for at the college sure. level. Yeah. You know, they want a good student. They want somebody that's not going to cause a lot of trouble. They and, do not uh, want to get that call at a, 1 o'clock in the morning. Correct. Some problem has had that some knucklehead. <laughs> yeah, so that's definitely where it stuff, starts. Right? If you could get it done in the classroom and then, you know, and when you could get it done in your community and then right. also on the mat, that's what coaches look for. So sure. I'd say Coach Irvis was a big part of that. And uh, at the same time, he's not going to vouch for you to college D1 programs if you're not the right. person that, you know, he says you are. So right. he's not going to go lying to college programs just to try to, you know, bring up your confidence. So sure, that's where it starts. And, uh, you know, the coaches were behind me 100%. And then my senior year, Kozicki actually had – left Michigan and okay. come back to Cleveland. Okay. So he definitely let me know a lot about Michigan and, right. um, you know, he had no hard feelings with them and let me know what kind of people are there and, sure. you know, how they'll take care of me and things like that. So he definitely uh, helped guide me into making a little bit of Michigan choice, but he didn't, he didn't force me or anything like that. He let sure. me, he just informed just gave me. The, he just gave you the scoop. Man, Correct. the right story, right? So he just yeah. informed me on the program a little bit. So that, played a little bit of a part and there's obviously a St. Ed's connection to Michigan yep. with uh, Bertine and Andy Ryan Rovat. Bertine, yeah, terrific. Wasn't he two-time national champ? Yep, yeah. Ryan Bertine, yeah. Andy Rovat, and oh, yeah. Michael Zicke. So yeah. we had a little bit of a pipeline there and Coach McFarland would come back to Cleveland every summer and do the well, Michigan he's a West camp. Side kid. Yep. North Olmstead, right? Yeah, so yeah. there was definitely a connection there. I had known Coach McFarland for a long time and sure. um, at the end of the day, they were definitely the right right decision to me. They were They were matching scholarship money with most of the other schools that were looking right. at me, Virginia Tech and Virginia, were, um, you know, second and third on my list. So, sure. um, 
Ohio State had a big recruiting year that year. Yeah, they, they did. They had uh, Tomasello yeah. and the Jordans. Yeah. And right. It was a big year for them, so I don't think they had a lot of money. To, no, they uh, ran out of money. To offer, so. Yeah. And it wasn't um, their, it wasn't their, I don't think it was their intention to run out of oh, money. Oh, for they sure. Just, you they just got a lot of good recruits. So. I mean, 12, you, you came out in 2012, that was like all-stars everywhere. Yeah, I mean, so. It was crazy. I, I love Coach Ryan and, and yeah. Coach Jaggers as well, but, um. I, I talk, met with them a couple times. They came to my house, but at the end of the day, Michigan was just the right fit and the right choice. Great. Yeah, so, and Cole Zicky, what, what a terrific guy. I had him in studio uh, earlier this year. He, he was our second uh, episode of, of, of season two at the Wrestling Factory, and I've watched him run practices. He's terrific. Oh, he's great. Yeah. He is just terrific, and he loves the sport, and he really, you know, he really brings – what needs to be brought to the sport, both technique-wise, but also philosophy. And he talks about that. And I love that when he comes into the room or when you go into his room. So big, right. big, I'm a big fan of his. Um, so so you, go to, you go to Michigan, right? And you're under McFarland, but you got some great assistant coaches there. Right. Who do you bond with there and what happens at Michigan? Um, so my freshman year, I planned on redshirting. Sure. And... Uh, our captain at the time, Max Huntley, ended up uh, tearing his pec, Ugh. and he was a starter at 184. Yeah. So um, I would say my freshman year, I got really close with Donnie Pritzloff. Oh, wow. And yeah. um, Now, he was a Wisconsin guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was, was he a national or a runner-up? He was a national champ. National champ, yeah. Yeah, he was a Wisconsin guy. came to Michigan to coach. Um, and then after my freshman year, he ended up leaving for Rutgers. But I, I definitely was pretty close with him my freshman year, so Max went down. And got hurt, and uh, and I stepped in as uh, as the starter at 184. So um, that was a big decision to make because I was giving up my red shirt to end up wrestling. But yeah, yeah. losing Donnie was definitely big for me. Sure. Um, but I, I gelled with him pretty good my freshman year. Did you? Yeah. Now, what did he teach you? Like, you know, was it was there just moves that he taught you, or was there a philosophy? Because you know, I love the the brilliance that I see at your level, is knowing how to manipulate a match, the strategy in a match, you know, how to take your match to the, to the, to the opponent, but also to understand the opponent. Was he good that way, or was he good? How was he good, I guess? Yeah, Donnie was definitely somebody that helped me with my mentality. Okay. Um, he's great technically, yeah. but he's definitely somebody that helped mold my mind into a, you know, keeping a strong, steady pace throughout the match. Like sure. I said, I've always been a little bit defensive, and uh, he definitely helped me, you know, push the pace a little bit right. with my hand fighting. And, uh, and I remember, like, my first week in Michigan, uh-huh. Donnie asked me to come in the morning and drill with him. Yeah. And just all we did was drill for, like, an hour, wow. and I couldn't breathe. I mean, his pace that he had on me, he gets, like, these inside ties. And I remember my armpit was, like, raw yes. from him just pulling on my arm. Sure. And, uh, you know, he's just teaching me, like, um, just the pace of college wrestling. It's definitely a little bit different. Yep. You know, in high school, I feel like I never got tired ever. Right. But in right. college, it's like it's Forget a different game. It. Yeah. It's a different game. Yeah. Um, with the riding time and things like that, so just keeping that steady pace and having a solid mindset throughout, you know, an entire match is a. Uh, it's definitely big for college. You see guys that have a lot of success just, you know, solely off of a high pace. Right. You know, and breaking right. your opponent. Well, so. I mean, uh, Iowa lived on it. Right. For what, exactly 20, 25 years. For sure. You know, and I think that you're seeing. A different type of pace with Penn State, more of a fun. I don't know. It's it's almost like a buoyant for sure. You know, like it's Ed Ruth. Different. When I look at Ed Ruth, it's almost like watching Michael Jordan wrestle. Yeah, you know what I mean, he's just amazing. Um, 
And I, I think you see a lot of those. I mean, Bo Nickel, you know, the the the, the absolute athleticism right. is incredible from from those guys. And I think you know you could attest to that, right? Uh, yeah. The other thing too is I love what you just said about Pritzloff, about that rawness, you know, on your on your underarm, mm-hmm. okay, or on your uh, tricep. Because when you look at, you know, greats all over in every sport, but let's say one of our combat sports, boxing, the greatest of all time to some people's minds was Rocky Marciano. Right. Well, Rocky used to hit you in the, on, on the biceps. He wouldn't hit you in the, in the jaw or in the stomach. Right. He'd hit you in the biceps so that at the end of like the fifth or sixth round, you drop your arms because you were so right. beat right. up and then boom, he'd knock you out. And all the, the guys, you know, would say to that, he goes, he was just relentless. But the pace, too, you know right. what I mean? But there was there was a absolute method to the pace. And I think that's what you may have learned from Pritzloff, right? Yeah, the method for sure. To the pace, the know? first, uh, like, two weeks right. of Michigan wrestling, I, I'm, I think they do this a lot of different programs, but the first, like, two weeks we do these things called Hour Grinds. Yeah. And it's just an hour straight of live wrestling with your partner. Right. And, uh... You know, they give you like an optional one break when you want, but you know, this the older guys know not to give you that break and right. That that first two weeks as a freshman, it's it's a completely different animal. You come in and um going with Max Huntley and Taylor Massa, they absolutely annihilated me, put me on my back maybe like, you know, ten, fifteen times in that hour. So it's definitely getting something getting used to, just you know, building your mind, you know, and callousing callousing the mind. Um, because I mean, after those memory, two weeks, right? yeah, yeah, after those two memory. weeks, I, I learned how to, uh, fight through some of that adversity and, you know, I ended up not getting put on my back one time. Then I started beating some of these guys, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, that first two weeks and those hour grinds, it, it's definitely, uh, the freshmen get a rude awakening. So. No, no. Well, you know, again, when you go to that next level, right. And then you go to the next level, right. And you get, you get a rude awakening and it's also the speed of the game is ridiculously fast, right? right? That moment, like you were saying, you make a mistake in high school, you can correct it. No. Yeah. No. You know, you, you make a mistake in, uh, in, in at that level, at the Division One level or at the international level, and you're you're done. It's right. touch fault, you know, mm-hmm. you're out. So, you know, I, I want to talk to you a little bit, too, about the, the, the foundation that you that you just talked about because you found – Found some adversity that you had to overcome, and you did overcome it right. in, uh, in at, at Michigan and at the D1 level. And we're going to do that when we come back with a uh, after our break. We're going to take a little bit of a break right now. Thanks. Sure. We'll be back with Dom Abinator. This is Coach Cimarroni. Want to thank Serve Pro of Beachwood, our newest sponsor, and Jack Coslin, the owner. They serve all of Northeast Ohio, not just Beachwood. They specialize in disaster cleanup that leaves your home or office like new, like it never happened. Flood and water damage, fire, mold, and they say even blood and guts. Not just any Serve Pro. Seek out Serve Pro of Beachwood. That's Serve Pro Beachwood, Shaker Heights, Cleveland Heights.com, 216 416- Four six four 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 nine eight. Operated by a former All-State wrestler from Beachwood, we love Serve Pro of Beachwood. Defense Soap at DefenseSoap.com. In the midst of our current health crisis, we at Blood Time want to thank Guy and Gus Seiko and the team at Defense Soap as a beacon of our protection. Body wipes, skin cleansers, bars of soap, 
shower gels, and disinfectant tablets. All this and more as Defense Soap is on the front line of our protection. Thanks to the Seiko family and their team at Defense Soap. Check them out for all your protection needs during these precarious times. Defense Soap at DefenseSoap.com And we're back. This is Coach Simrani with Dom Abinator. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Well, welcome back after the break. And my, my producer just talked about a kind of a knucklehead uh, that's, I guess, very famous now. You know, we make knuckleheads famous. Yeah. Uh, the Italians call them cavoons. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you pinned this guy, Logan Paul, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was supposed to wrestle him in the sectional finals, I think it was my senior year. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't wrestle. He forfeited the match. Okay. And then again at district finals. Right. I wrestled him, and uh, he almost stalled out of the match. I think he had, like, four stall calls. Wow. And I was winning, like, 7-0 or 7-1 or something like that. And uh, after the fourth stall call, you get choice, and I picked top and ended up pinning him. There you go. So, yeah. Well, you'd have to be in almost a statue to get four stall, stall calls. Right. right. I mean, come on. Really yeah, he was that. just running the whole match. And was he, he was, like, like Curly from the Three Stooges? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking some trash in the in yeah. the plain dealer the week before and oh, stuff, sure. too. So I was ready to get after him. and. Well, yeah. way to go. Yeah. We, we, we like that. We like that the wrestler will make a, a, a knucklehead look like a knucklehead. Right. <laughs> like exactly. So. Anyhow, um, you know, getting on a serious note, you know, you face some adversity at Michigan with some, a, really a devastating injury, uh, Dom, and uh, that curtailed your, 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 your goal to be a, a, on the podium. Tell us a little bit about that, you know, not only physically but mentally what that did to you and then, and then galvanized your resolve to get back and, and make that podium uh, opportunity. Yeah, so I actually had uh, three knee surgeries while being at Michigan, wow. minor ones. They're meniscus stuff, yeah. and they always were in the beginning of the season. So I well, always I can tell you before you go on to that, I can tell you that any minor thing at your age is minor, but it does not happen at sixty three. Yeah. It continues to get major. So be be aware of that. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. So I had some a couple knee surgeries that were somewhat minor. Right. And. uh you know, just coming back from those was, it's usually like a four to six week recovery for your knee, right, right. but and then just uh, getting your timing back and it's like the actual pounding of the mat on your knee yeah. that takes a long time. Yeah. So a couple of those were in the beginning of the season and in the off season, but uh, the big one was my shoulder with my yeah. labrum. Yeah. So um, in the preseason of my true senior year, mm-hmm. I, I ended up tearing my labrum in practice. Jeez. And uh, how did that happen? I was in a front headlock and I was yeah. I was trying to like drag out. Yeah. And so my shoulder is real close to my head and I just kind of heard it pop. Ugh. And uh, it was fine that day and then the next day it was just killing me. So it kind of the swelling went down and mm-hmm. uh, it started to feel okay. And a lot of times you could just rehab your labrum, but um, I did some rehab. It was still kind of bothering me. So I ended up wrestling in the Eastern Michigan Open unattached. Okay. So I didn't technically use my eligibility 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 right. yet. And uh, I won that tournament, but I really did not perform to the way that I wanted to or needed to. And I was just constantly, like, doing things to kind of baby my shoulder. Right, right. I was like, this is my senior year. I don't want to – if it gets worse. Yes. And, you know, even just the way I'm wrestling now, I'm not happy with it. So I ended up getting the surgery on my labrum. Right. I remember uh, you coming over to the Worthingtons with that big, crazy uh, sling. sling out. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, so I rehabbed it all year. Um, 
we had a little bit of a down year that year. We had three freshman All-Americans. Okay. Uh, Miles Amin and Stevan Micic, Taylor, sure. Taylor uh, or Logan Massa. Okay. So we had those guys returning, and, uh, you know, I got to sit back and watch and learn a little bit from even some of the younger guys. So right. um, came back, was healthy, wrestled the full year, had a great season. Yes. Um, and then uh, actually the second round of the national tournament, I retore the labrum. I remember that, yeah. Um, that was at Cleveland, right? Yeah, so yeah. in Cleveland, the second round, uh, I retore my labrum, and that night was the quarters. Right. It felt fine in the quarters. Um, I wrestled Pete Renda from NC State yes. and beat him in overtime. Yes. And uh, it felt it felt fine. Like, it, it was hurting a little bit, but right. no issue while I was wrestling. Right. Then the next morning, I woke up, and it was just swollen. I felt like I couldn't lift my arm. and. Oh boy. Um, you know, I was warming up with Miles Amin, and, like, yeah. I was telling him, like, man, like, I know there's nothing I could do, but right. this is killing me. Ugh. And uh, I wrestled Bo Nickel in the semis that uh, morning. Yes. And, you know, definitely wasn't myself. I should have beat him in the regular season. Yes. And, obviously, he's a great wrestler, but I, I really wasn't happy with the way I performed in the semis. And, um, you know, I don't like making excuses, but my shoulder is definitely bothering me. Right. And, uh you know, so it kind of hindered me a little bit. Um, and the wrestlebacks, I actually got it caught behind my back and uh, gave up two points because I took an injury time. Right. And then he gets point for the injury time. Yes, or, he does. Um, choice of position for the injury oh, right, time. Oh, right, right, right. So right. he went down. Yeah. I caught him. Yeah. I was losing 3-0. And then he shot in on a shot, and I win dixied him. We're like a right. you know, the head and arm. Yeah. yeah. And his arm slipped out, so I just had his head scissored. Okay. So technically, it's illegal. Yes. So I started that match like four five zero, yeah. and then ended up losing uh, nine to eight. So uh, yeah. I ended up taking fifth that year. But hey, you're on the podium. Yeah. You yeah. know, with, with one shoulder, basically. You right. I mean, you never know what could happen. But that's the problem. You know, that's the problem. But that is what it is at the national title. Yeah. I mean, it's you, part of the sport. Yeah. I mean, you know, who's healthy, basically, and everybody's banged up to some degree, but not mm-hmm. to that level. And it's about you know, and if you look at the pictures of the guys that start. The wrestling, uh, you know, at the national that first day before the first match, at the end, they looked like they were in a literally a car accident. Right. You know, so it's it's brutal. Yeah, just the season is long. Yeah. Um, especially in the Big Ten. Right. The Big Ten season is super long. You're wrestling two matches a weekend, making weight twice a week. Right. And um, you know, it's completely different in the international level. So international level, you only compete like six times a year. Right. So in college, you know, you you might wrestle six times in two three weeks and it's brutal yeah so it's it's tough making weight all all those times in a row even though i I don't really cut that much weight but um making weight and then competing and it's a lot on your body and i think that's why there's been a lot of talks of shortening the season a little bit and things like that i think they should do it in high school too i really do i mean i i had a i had a lot of sickness you know, because you're just working out. You're working out. You're wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, you're wrestling 35, 40 matches, sometimes 50 matches. Right. It's brutal. I mean, if you're wrestling, because you're wrestling a lot of fish now, you know, in, in high school. It's not like the old days where right. everybody was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. You know, you're pitting a lot of guys who are getting forfeits. But still, you you got to work out, you know. So it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a long season. But, you know, uh, saying that, we now talk a little bit about that uh, that Olympic movement, and you are now in the Olympic movement. You are now wrestling for Beirut. 
Yeah, Lebanon. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, that's right. Uh, Lebanon, Beirut is the capital. Mm -hmm. um, I think your family's from Beirut. Yeah, it? my yeah. father is. Yeah, exactly. So tell me a little bit about how that happened, and what uh, what that's what that what is that like? Um, so I knew that I had Lebanese citizenship for a long time because my dad is uh, from there. He came over when he was like twelve years old. Gotcha. So. Um, I automatically qualified for citizenship there. Uh, I just had to get my passport. Okay. So Andy Rovat was our Cliff Keen Wrestling Club coach at the time, and he was real into um, wrestling for foreign countries or your, gotcha. your you know, father's country or whatever. So Dave Habit is Rovtat uh, uh, Hungarian, I think. Is he? He's Slovenian. Slovenian. Okay. Maybe. Yes. Some Something Eastern like that. European, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he uh, got Dave Habit mm -hmm. going first. Dave okay. Habit was like the pioneer for that. So Dave wrestles for uh, Slovenia. Gotcha. And uh, he started and then, you know, kind of talked to me about it. And at the time, my grandfather had just passed away. So oh, yeah. I was really close with him. And that meant a lot to me, you know, kind of honor him. Sure. So I decided to wrestle for Lebanon, got my passport, um, and then ended up wrestling for them. And my first competition, like right away, was the uh, Asian uh, Games. You took silver there, right? I did. It was my yeah. first foreign international competition, and I ended up taking silver. To the Iranian, was it? Yeah, to um, Yazdani, Yazdani, who's like sure, yeah. pound for pound number one guy in the world, arguably. So, right. um, it was a great experience, and it was a great first tournament. And sure, um, you know, from there on, I kind of gotten uh, not as good results, but it was kind of eye-opening from there on like you know you could you could you beat could these be guys yeah, it's you proven there. You, you're there you know you yeah. could beat all these guys it's just it's a game of inches at that level so sure. you know when you wrestled pound for pound arguably the best in the world what's that like what's that feel like yeah he's a little different yeah Donnie is like uh, most of these eastern european guys they're slow and methodical and they're sure. um extremely hard to get into their legs and uh you know, they, they just don't wrestle at a high pace. Right. And uh, the Iranian definitely wrestles at an extremely high pace. He's right? like yeah. a buzzsaw. He doesn't stop. So yeah. um, even when he wrestled David Taylor, you know, he's beating him 6-0. Yeah. And then, you know, David kind of picked up his pace and ended up breaking uh, Yazdani. Sure. But what you don't see a lot, it's a credit to David. Um, yeah, well, David's a special. Yeah. Special talent. So Yazdani is different, man. He just... He comes at you like a buzzsaw, and it's hard to stop. And um, you definitely got to get to that second period with him, late in the second period, and right. you know that then I think he'll start to wear. Isn't that something that we can, you know, as Americans, right? Well, yeah. you know, obviously you're taking that American mentality to Lebanon. Mm -hmm. It's it's we are pace pace guys, right? You know what I mean? For and sure. When you saw that happen in the '72 Olympics with Gable. That was a good, that was definitely a recipe, and we pretty much followed that recipe. But it's also hurt us a little bit, too, not understanding the, the pace yeah, and the mentality sure. of, you know, the foreign wrestler. So um, I think the, the brilliance of Schultz, you know, the sly fox, right? Right. And the Russians go, man, this guy's got us figured out. You yeah, know? he definitely wrestled more like a Russian. Right. He figured us out, you mm -hmm. know, and so he took them. But he also kept the American mentality, too. So he really was... The, the beauty of the merger of both cultures right. in one guy, and that's why they say, "Well, we can't figure we can't figure Schultz out." Yeah. You know, it was, it was pretty cool to see that. And uh, so, so you're you're on the international circuit, you know, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. 
how does this look for you? Uh, is is there going to be a twenty twenty one Olympics? What's the what's what's the what's the buzz? Yeah, so it's been kind of crazy. I was geared up to go to China in March. Wow, for the Asian um, qualifier. Okay. And I was registered and everything ready to go. And then obviously the pandemic happened yep. and shut everything down. Um, so that's the big one for me. I still need to go to the Asian qualifier. And they said locations will remain the same. So I'm gotcha. probably going to have to go back to China. Whereabouts in China? Um, Xi'an. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I'll have to go there and make the finals of that tournament. Okay. And if I make the finals, that qualifies me for the Olympics. So the Olympics are still supposed to happen as planned. I don't know if they're going to reschedule the dates for this um, Asian qualifier, but I think, again, it's supposed to be around March. So hopefully okay. everything's cleared up. Um, we haven't been back in the Michigan room yet. Yeah. We've been using, like, outsourced rooms, and we still work out every day. Um, we lift at Barwis Methods, which is, sure. like, a great facility. They they train a bunch of the Detroit Lions and Detroit Red Wings players. Awesome. So it's really high level training that we're getting right now. And so um, who are you drilling with? Who, who who are you you know who are you working out with? So Sergey is coaching us through these practices, and I've okay. been drilling with Miles Amin, Alex Derringer, and you know Logan Massa every day. It's just the RTC guys right um, right now. Okay. So. Keeping um, it, you got to keep it tight. Right. Yeah, with COVID. Yeah, I yeah, with COVID. It. So yeah, yeah. we're in a different room right now, and we're, we're making things work. It's a little bit of a drive every day, but that's right. what needs to be done. So, you know, can't make excuses. Everybody else is working out just Yeah, we same, just figure so. it out, right? We got to look for solutions as yeah. opposed to ex- excuses, and I think that's where our sport really lies. We're mm-hmm. courageous, but we're prudent, but we have to find solutions, and we got to be leaders in that creativity. Correct. You know? and, and those cards that people have been doing are amazing, you know? Okay. Like, uh, I wrestled on the Penn State uh, Rockfin card right. um, against Jamie Espinall, and it seems like they're doing some every week now. So that's really, I think, helping grow the right. sport amidst this pandemic. So. Well, didn't Taylor call out, call out Burroughs, and Burroughs said, yeah, yeah let's go. Mm-hmm. It's time to party, right? Right, so that's yeah. that's the brilliance of what's going on right now, sure. you know, even with all this COVID stuff going on. So. Yeah, I, I remember watching that Dake Tremizo. It was kind of silly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what Tremizo was doing. Yeah, but, yeah. Man, he's a talent. That's that's an alien. Right oh, there, yeah, man. for sure. Wow. I mean, I've never seen hips like that. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, man. he's incredible. He really is. Um, so, so, Dom, you're... You're in the middle of it, you know, you're, you're training for your Olympic dream. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have an incredible history of Michigan and St. Ed's and, and all those incredible West Shore guys to start you out. Tell me the ultimate blood time moment for you. Who was that one person that said to your, you know, that, that resonated with you in not only your brain, but your heart and your soul that I could be special and I could do something maybe above and beyond what I'm doing now? Yeah, I would definitely say as my dad for sure. Uh, from a young age, he coached me through everything, wrestling, football, whatever it was. Right. Um, you know, even if he didn't know exactly what he what he was talking about, he he learned it and then taught me. Sure. So he was kind of a student of the sport of wrestling at, when I was really young, and you know, then he just would teach me. So. Well, he um, was a he was pretty much of a. A Lebanese hammer himself in eighth grade. Yeah. Didn't he beat Mike Golick? Yeah, he pinned Mike Golick. That's the big claim to <laughs> At the fame. the CYO. <laughs> but from like a technical standpoint, yeah, you know, he yeah. he was uh, not not really like at the top of the game you know mental aspect he's there with anybody sure but he learned everything he would go to every single saint ed's wrestling camp and you know now he's probably one of the best technical guys i know so yeah just a um, student of the game right? yeah he's just a student of the game and right. then he would just teach me and you know not just that but just the mentality i remember like 
at a young age, um, at his old bar, he would have a bunch of pro athletes come in and, right. um, I remember he called me and he told me and I'm like, Oh, like, can you get me his autograph or sure, something? Yeah. And he's just, you know, from a young age, teaching me like life lessons. Like, yeah. he's like, you don't, you don't want their autograph. Like you're going to be better than that person. Yes. They're going to be a bigger name than that person. Like wow. don't hold that person on a pedestal, right. you know, you know, believe in yourself that you're going to be right. above him. You don't need right. his autograph. That's awesome. So that's just kind of the things that he would teach me at a young age. And, yeah. um, you know, he definitely is the one person that throughout my whole life, he's just, you know, been there and taught me everything that I know. So, so we love Sam, but we also yeah. love Michelle, right? Yeah, of so course. Was, yeah. What was Michelle like for you as, as a son being raised by an Italian mother? Yeah, I mean, she's my biggest cheerleader. So, so yeah. every single match, she would be there taping the match so that me and my dad can go over it later that night. Yeah. Um, you know, and the camera would be like veering off into the crowd and she you could hear her jumping around and screaming and yeah, yeah. you know she was definitely loud at every single match and i could always hear her in the crowd and sure. um she's definitely my biggest fan yeah well that's great you gotta have great parents right oh you know, for sure it's so important not only for you but for the whole country at large yeah I mean, for we sure need, we need better and greater parents together you know doing our thing so you know saying that we are in the turbulent times right now and you know, I'd like you to leave the audience with a word or two of encouragement, courage, uh, creativity, whatever you think is, is, is in your heart. Yeah, I would just say, you know, try to enjoy these things, you know, and enjoy the time that you have. I know for a little bit, I started taking wrestling a little bit too serious to where I was working so hard yeah. and it got so serious to me that I needed to win that when I didn't, it would crush me, yeah. you know, and I think it made me lose a little bit of the joy of the sport sure. because the sport is very grueling and it could really tear you down if you let it. Yes. And uh, so you just enjoy it, you know, and I'm going into practice every day now trying to enjoy every little thing and, you know, enjoy the moment while I still have time of competing and wrestling and, sure. um, you know, just trying to have fun with it. Cause like I said, for a little bit, you know, it's, you work so hard, you yes. know, you work so hard every day and, if you don't reach that goal and it holds you back because you don't want to lose, right? you know, it stops you from pulling that trigger. It stops you from competing at your best because you, right. you're scared to lose is what it is. Yes. So just enjoy it and have fun with it and, you know, enjoy it while you can. Well, that's a, that's brilliant, you know, and uh, Coach Urbis quoted Coach Ferguson saying, use the sport, don't let the sport use you. Right. You know, that was mm -hmm. one of his biggest things. And uh, I told Sammy Gross, who was in here the other day, to drink it in, you know, drink mm -hmm. in every moment, good, bad, or indifferent, even the pain, drink it in, you know, because you'll never really get those moments back. And the fortunate level that you've been able to achieve, very rare, very rare error. So mm -hmm. I think those are great words, Tom. And uh, from Blood Time, the Blood Time staff, we wish you the best. Go Lebanon. Yeah. Unless you're wrestling an American, oh well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but go Lebanon, go Dama Abinator and the Abinator family. And thank you for coming in. Yep, I appreciate you having me. My pleasure. This is Coach Cimarroni for Blood Time. We are all blood. Men, are you looking for that great suit or sports outfit made out of the finest fabrics and made to measure tailoring? J&A Custom Clothing Tailoring and Alteration will come to your home or office and give you that fashion statement that you will be known for. Call J&A Custom Clothing and the owner, Joseph Alberstadt at 216 513 6165. That's J&A Custom Clothing. 
216-513-6165. I want to share with you my thought of the day. Agendas are a thing of the past. It's time for authentic humanity. Yeah, this is Matt Lillen. You just heard another episode of the Blood Time Podcast.